Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Well, again, good morning and welcome to First Methodist. My name is Chrislyn Durham. I am one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you decided to be with us this morning for this worship series and for this time of worship together. We are starting a new series this morning called Won't You Be My Neighbor? Throughout this series, we will hear or watch words, stories, clips from shows or songs, that provide a challenging hope of new life that were written or said by Fred Rogers, or as I grew up knowing him, Mr. Rogers, and how those words that he spoke connect to scripture and to life each and every day. So let's dive in together right into the words written by Paul in Acts 10, 1 through 23. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened, and suddenly something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures, and reptiles, and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean you must not call profane. The voice said to him again, 
This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision and he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house, and they were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up and go down and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius a Centuron, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. We pray that over these next few moments that you would just speak. Speak to our hearts, to our minds. Calm the thoughts going through our head and the things that lay on our hearts, allowing us to be fully present. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. A little over three years ago, I got engaged to be married at 33. Not only would I be marrying Nick, but I would also have a three-year-old Hazel and a 10-year-old Jack. To say that my life changed throughout these last three years is quite the understatement. I went from watching Hallmark movies and rarely missing the new ones to watching Bluey, Vampirina, and Fancy Nancy. I went from making dinner and cleaning the house for one person to having to be aware of what all four people would eat. I went from going into my weekends without a plan to going and making a plan, looking up the fun things to do in the community for kids because I wanted to engage them. I've gone from a nice leisurely day off on Fridays to getting someone to dance class and then going to the store rather than ordering my groceries because Hazel likes to ride in the special cart. While all four of us have had our moments, of growing pains and will continue to do so. I have loved every minute of having this family to care for, to love, to laugh with, sometimes to shed a tear for or over. But I went from a place of comfort and calm in my daily life to an unknown place that has been one of the most challenging experiences of my life and that would continue to challenge me every single day, making me a better me, hopefully. 
The struggle that comes with something new, even if it's something that we have been dreaming about or something wonderful that just comes into fruition, is that there's always invitations of challenge within them. I think this is what we see this morning in these scripture that we read in Acts. Someone who has been challenged by a new experience brought forth by the resurrected Christ. This challenge comes in a few forms. The first was through a Gentile, someone who was not a Jew. With that being said, this Gentile wasn't just any Gentile. He was a centurion, a ranking officer that oversaw about 100 men in the Roman army. What is most interesting about this man is that he feared the Lord. He prayed. He engaged in worshiping God without going to the temple. In this worship, he experienced a vision and was told to send someone to get Simon, which is called Peter, and bring him to Caesarea. So he told three people, and they went to Joppa to receive Peter. And then we find Peter, someone who we know pretty well. We hear a lot of stories about Peter, the man who walked alongside Peter, the, or Jesus, the man who betrayed Jesus or denied Jesus, a man who was challenged by Jesus a whole lot as he walked alongside him, and a man who has been changed and forgiven by the resurrected and ascended Christ and experienced the Holy Spirit coming up on him just as Christ said it would. In this moment, we see Peter who was comfortable in being a follower, even if it wasn't always a place of comfort, He had experienced the risen Christ and was going to the ends of the earth to tell all the Jews about all that he had experienced with this man named Jesus. He was doing all that he was being asked to do. But then he also saw an unexpected vision that flipped a major part of his understanding of God. This vision was of a white cloth being brought down by the four corners with animals of all kinds inside, both clean and unclean, according to Levitical standards. And the angel said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, because of his desire to follow the, Jews, the, law, the laws of the Jewish people, he declined because one was not to eat unclean animals according to the Jewish or Levitical law. The response came, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. The angel invited Peter to partake two more times, three in all. Isn't it amazing how many times Peter has to answer a question three times? When he awoke, he was puzzled as to what it might mean. He began to piece it all together when the three men arrived asking for Simon. 
He welcomed them into the home where he was staying and went with them to meet this Gentile the next day. These visions from God were invitations, but they were challenging invitations. That many of the Levitical laws were put in place were made void in the death and resurrection of the Son of God, meaning that the things that stood between a person and God no longer did. In this moment, Peter was challenged to eat the unclean animals, recognizing that God has made all and he no longer needed to worry about clean or unclean. But more than that, God was challenging Peter and all who followed to recognize that Jew and Gentile are alike. They both come to God and the Holy Spirit works within both and is called by God to be God's children. Ultimately, God was inviting Peter to go against the religious social norm of exclusion of those who were not circumcised, those who may not look like him, those who were unclean because of what they ate. And Peter did. As we will learn next week as we continue the story. But you see, throughout history, we have watched as people have experienced God while also challenging the social norms. Fred Rogers was one of them. Fred was an ordained Presbyterian preacher and had this desire to bring hope, help, and love to all people, young and older. He used this platform that he was given called television. Believe it or not, he was appointed to be the minister on television from the Presbyterian church. And he was acutely aware of his position in such a way that promoted just what he believed in, hope, help, and the love of all people. In the 1960s, he saw what was happening where people were being excluded and ostracized and even hurt or killed because of the color of their skin especially when it came to swimming pools. White people did not want to swim in the same pools as those who did not look like them, those who were black. It was Fred and many others who challenged this. And Fred challenged it in a calm and unharmful, but very pointed way. Nearly everyone remembers Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in this But not everyone knows that this cardigan-clad king of children's TV, Fred Rogers, was actually a pioneer who challenged racial stereotypes in media. Enter Francois Clemens. Francois Scarborough Clemens. And his role as Officer Clemens made him one of the first recurring black characters on a children's TV show. When I started, there were two, three shows, period on television that employed a black character. Francois grew up during the civil rights movement and times of great racial tension in the U.S. So when Fred asked me to be a police officer, Fred, 
are you sure? Do you know what policemen represent in the community where I was raised? And then he started talking about children needing helpers and the positive influence that I could have for young children. My heart opened as I listened to him. He accepted the role not knowing he would end up playing Officer Clemens for 30 years. And one of his most memorable scenes is also one of his favorites. There are many ways to say I love you. It's a very big deal for me to be putting my feet in the water with Fred. During a time of segregation, the symbolism wasn't lost on Francois. To say that he uh, didn't know what he was doing or that he accidentally stumbled into integration or talking about racism or sexism, that's not Mr. Rogers. It was well planned and well thought out, and I think it was very impactful. There are many ways to say I love you. That impact was felt by many, but for Francois, it was personal. I was in the studio one day. That particular day, he was filming the end of the show, and when he got to the part, he said, you make every day a special day. You know how? By just your being you. And I swear it was like, just looking right into my eyes. And when the music stopped, I said, Fred, were you talking to me? And he said, yes, I have been talking to you for years, but you heard me today. wasn't unlike Peter here. Through his relationship with God and the Spirit, Fred knew that all were equal and that all should have the opportunity to worship God, to experience hope, to know love from all people. And that swimming pools and swimming in a pool together caused no harm. This resurrection that we celebrate today, that we gathered together last week and that we gathered together every single Sunday, didn't just give new life to the people of God. It expanded the people of God to include all. It complicated everything in the best way possible. And it gave hope in ways that one had never dreamed. Peter invited the Gentile, someone who was ostracized from the Jewish community and from worshiping the temple. Fred invited Francois to the pool on a warm day, placing their feet in the water, showing the world exactly what it meant to allow people to be just as they are created to be. And in this act by Fred, Francois said, I carried the hope inside of me that one day the world would change. And I do feel that the world still has not totally changed, but it is changing. We're getting there. While it seems as though this story of Peter and Cornelius was set in a time from long ago, the world is not that different. And God is challenging us to do the same thing to recognize that there is no clean or unclean, there is no Jew or Gentile, that black and white should not be what separates people 
from one another or from God, that political affiliation, gender, sexuality, nationality should not separate people from the other people or from the love of God. The question for us is how do we show our new neighbors that are all around us that same love and acceptance that Fred Rogers and Peter showed those who were different from them. Something to think about. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, amen.